the day after. That's what I'm going to call it. It is the day after the United States national team played in their third game of this set in the qualifiers up in that very cold venue of Minnesota. I'll get into that in a second. And I'll explain why all that happened so all of you can stop screaming at the rain. I'm Eric Winaldo. This is For the Win Blue Wire Studios. It is my home today at the Win Hotel Resort and Casino. Nice day today. Nice day. Nice drive in. Nice feeling. It's a good thing to wake up in the morning with all that concern and everybody's freaking out. The hashtag Berhalter out people going nuts once again. But the United States prevails. 3-0 is the final score. We actually scored in the first half. How about that? That was the first time that that happened. Little cue or a little, I guess, advice for the U.S. national team. How about we let Christian Pulisic stop taking free kicks and corner kicks? You're a great kid, but you're not good at those. Because we scored three times on set pieces, which we had failed to do up until this point. But I guess when you play against the worst team, in the history of worst, in my opinion, I have never seen a team that bad in the qualification process. But we beat up on Honduras 3-0, and everybody can have a sigh of relief. But it comes to the way that we're playing, I guess. Kind of. Berhalter goes into the stands and uh, takes some selfies with some people, and that is the new thing that everyone's freaking out about this morning. All the haters, at least. Just leave him alone. All right, It was cold. He went out there to hug some people. So what? Let's keep our eye on the ball here. So here's the update. I'm going to go through all of the transfer news. There's a lot of stuff that has happened. And of course, we have to talk about this Mason Greenwood thing, which is really unfortunate. And by the way, what's going on with Manchester? When all these accusations come out, and, these, and it looks pretty bad. Go back to Adam Johnson. Mendy had something similar. I, I don't, you know, something in, in the water up there. I'm not even going to get into Ryan Giggs. Wayne Rooney, he liked older women, so I guess he exonerates himself from any of that stuff. But wow, Mason Greenwood, career might be over there. It's really unfortunate to hear that kind of thing. But uh, I'll get into all of that as far as the, uh, the transfer window. It is, it is, the, the door is slammed shut. There might be a, a little bit of leeway there. There is some, some rules where you can go a little bit over time. But for the most part, everything that has happened is all that's going to happen. And some teams, in my opinion... Looked like they prevailed. Other teams kind of stayed quiet. And some other teams, like Liverpool, just swooping in there, right? In the last second, 11th hour. That's the Diaz situation, which I'll get into as well. But let's talk about the qualification process. And I need to enlighten everybody. When it comes to the why we played in Minnesota and the why that we played in Columbus, I don't think anybody is, we're so focused on the fact that it's cold and that it's supposed to be this advantage for Honduras. I don't think people really understand the, the real reason why we played in those two venues. And I'm going to explain that as well. But here's the update. Canada prevails in El Salvador, which by the way, Buchanan, that was a penalty kick. I mean, what is VAR? I mean, what does it stand for really? I mean, visually impaired something? I mean, it's terrible. That's a foul. That's a foul. El Salvador, I'm with you today. You got cheated. You got cheated. And then Mexico, in the 80th minute, they get, I don't know, would be called somewhat dive, whatever. And, and I'm getting a lot of attention this morning because if, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I accurately predicted not just the score of the game, not just the fact that Mexico would prevail, even though they're horrible right now, but the exact minute that they would score and how they would score. I predicted a penalty kick in the 80th minute, about 25 minutes before it happened. And you know, people are calling me uh, Nostradamus now. Look, it's not my first rodeo, okay? 
This is Mexico. This is CONCACAF. And we're not going to make any accusations, wild accusations about, but when something like that happens, the referees sometimes know the protocol and point to the spot and let Mexico have the points. And Panama gets cheated out of a great performance, really. Actually, hold on. Panama played okay. Mexico's horrible. We should stop patting ourselves on the back for beating Mexico three times this year. They're a a watered-down version of what they used to be. They really are not that good. They're slow. They're old. Tata's aging, having a hard time figuring it out. So they skate out of there with uh, with the three points. But by the way, thank you. We needed Mexico to win that game. So here's how it stands. Canada's sitting on 25. They probably should have got a tie last night. But congratulations with those points. You are in the World Cup. I don't think it is possible for for anything else to happen. And in, in, in the end, they'll get Panama in their last game. So destiny will certainly be in their hands if, if, if everything else goes haywire. The United States holding tight with 21, tied with Mexico. Same record, almost the exact same across the board as far as results go. Six wins, three draws, two losses, both teams in the same boat after 11 games. Going into the final set, I, I, think, I think this next game against Mexico is, is certainly takes on a whole new meaning because Mexico is not that good. It's not that scary, if you will, to go uh, to Mexico to play in a qualifier. It's not the old days where they, they make sure the game's at high noon and somehow they figured out a way for the smog to be at the worst possible scenario. And it's, an, a, hard, it's a hard game to play in. You're hoping for rain and clouds. That's it. Now that they play these games at night, it's a very different venue. So teams like Panama, who certainly don't have any problems with the smog, they might have some problems with the elevation. They can put on a performance, as can Costa Rica. So here's where it is. So Canada's in first, 25. United States, 21 with Mexico. And then you have Panama sitting on 17. Now, here's why that, that, that penalty kick last night was so important. In the event that that would have not been called, then Panama would be sitting on 18 points, three points behind the United States. With Mexico, next opponent being the United States, and they would have been sitting... Um, let's see, on 19 points. What that means is if, the, if Mexico beats the United States, they catapult past us, and Panama's next opponent, of course, is lowly Honduras, which they will beat, because that is the worst team in CONCACAF. So they would have gone to 20, and we would have stayed at 19. That's where everybody starts to get nervous, right? If all the reports are true of what's coming out of Costa Rica, I'm not so worried, because it looks like three to four players played with a positive COVID test in their match last night. So there will be some repercussions there if those allegations are true. And we'll wait for the investigation and see how that all pans out. El Salvador, God bless you. In a tough spot, Jamaica and Honduras sitting down there at the bottom. So Honduras is the worst uh, team in this whole setup. El Salvador has, has put up a great fight, only two wins after 11 games in Jamaica with one win. They've had some good performances, but they're, they're, this hasn't gone their way. Now, let me explain. For all of you crazies out there who just can't figure out why the United States chose to play in Minnesota, and Columbus for that matter, I want you to just, I'm, I'm not going to make any wild accusations. I'm just going to enlighten you here. So pay attention to the next three minutes. It's important. We, we all are screaming at the rain about all the wrong things. What we need to understand here is why we played in Minnesota and Columbus. Because all of these things are intertwined. Do some research here. Do it on, do it on your own. Get out your phone. And I want you to do this. 
I want you to say, all right, who are the newest brand new stadiums in Major League Soccer? Who's the last one to build a stadium? When did those, when did those guys open up? Minnesota, Columbus. It's like a year and a half ago. Okay? Why did we play against Mexico in Cincinnati and not in Columbus? And why did we play a bunch of games in Austin? All those stadiums are brand new. Now, here's how this works. Stay with me. In 2026, where's the World Cup? Did the light bulb just go off in your head? Did you just feel it and go, oh. So when you're in, in, in a bid committee and you're trying to get a stadium that's going to play or have or be a venue for the World Cup in 2026 that just happens to be shared with Canada, wouldn't it make sense if you are a business guy sitting behind a computer, not a soccer guy with shoes and socks on, to try and do a run-through of what that would look like and we put that triangle together? Is it possible that maybe if you're going to be a part of a World Cup effort that you need to host a qualifier in order to fit the criteria for FIFA. So when they go through their list and they say, what stadiums are going to make our list to be host venues for the World Cup in 2026, wouldn't it make sense for some of these cities slash stadiums to be in close proximity to Canada, which we are sharing the World Cup with? Doesn't it make sense to the people that are facilitating these deals that have just asked for hundreds of millions of dollars to have a franchise fee to come into the league to try and use their persuasion to help the people who have just dropped a bunch of money to have the ability to make some of that back. Now, some of you could say, oh, that's crap. That's, that, that shouldn't be the way. That's the way it is. So stop complaining about it and understand that that's what just happened. So when Alexi Lawless comes on Fox and start screaming at you, telling you, Greg Berhalter wanted these games here. That is a lie, okay? The louder he gets and the more conviction he has in his voice makes it more believable. But I can tell you from personal experience, he is an actor in this show, and he is reading from a script that was provided for him. So don't yell at Alexi Lalas for reporting falsely that Greg Berhalter was the reason why we played these games in Minnesota, because he was reading the script that was provided to him by the broadcast partners who have the rights to the World Cup in four and a half years from now. Well, a little over that. So when we, when we complain, at least now you have an understanding of why it happened, and now you have a new thing to com complain about. So there you go. Have at it. That's all that happened here, people. That's all that happened. So you can have Craig Burley's of the world and go on ESPN and Herc Gomez. They could just complain and complain and complain. And Sebastian Salazar could tee it up and they could all, because they are not involved when it comes to, so maybe they don't, uh, I think they know, but everybody kind of cooperates here. They try to make sure that they don't step on each other's toes. But when that panel with Rob Stone and Marisa Du and Stu Holden and Alexi Lalas came at you from the start about what are your impressions of this game? I would actually say, you know, out, excluding uh, Marisa Du because he kept it to the soccer. He's too new. There's, there's no way that they're going to ask him to read something. That, but, but Stu, Lex, they knew the script, but they didn't write it. So understand that. Understand that before you get angry about the wrong stuff. Marisa Du is, is, is just basically, can I just keep it to the soccer here, please? I just got here. But Stu Holden has strategically, over the last course of the last five years, figured out a way to really weave his way into, I mean, he should be wearing a suit already, not for, just take off the makeup and, and go do something. 
something else because he knows how to talk to the corporate type. I, unfortunately, uh, and, I, and I, I, I actually am proud of this, would not comply when it came to Eric, we need you to say this. And that, for the most part, is the reason why I'm no longer there. So let me just give you the truth, okay? The truth is the people that are involved in this, Stu Holden, for example, is on a bunch of committees. He's on a bunch of committees and he talks to the Carlos Bocanegras of the world. And these guys are all essentially working towards 2026 because that's what the networks are hoping for. I know we're getting to getting close to World Cup. Do we need to qualify and whatnot? Yeah, yes, we do. But the big money in all of this is going to be 2026. So everybody is vying and positioning themselves to be a part of the big take. That's what's going on. It's not really about soccer, folks. It's not. It's not. So just calm the hell down and understand, you know, unfortunately, as much as we'd love to think our country was doing everything that they possibly could to provide the opportunity for our team to be successful, there was a lot of paperwork and contracts that were done a long time ago by committees that have nothing to do with who plays that dictated where we played. Okay, I'm done with that. But I feel better now. I feel better that some of you are now educated as to uh, the way the world works and how the United States Soccer Federation is intertwined in a lot more things than you might think. And these relationships with Major League Soccer, used to be Soccer United Marketing and the Federation, you know, they all have to be on the same page. They all have to, when they go in that room and they make these big decisions, uh, they're, all, they're all trying to. And it isn't about a quota for Greg Berhalter. All right? It's not. It's not about, it's not something that is being dictated by, by the people that are pushing the paper around. It's not. I want you to think, if, if, let's be Greg Berhalter for a second. Like, Greg Berhalter is smart enough to know that he is not going to be the U.S. national team coach forever. He's not. That'd be ludicrous to say that. And some people have their, their feelings about this. One cycle is enough. And sometimes, you know, when, when the results aren't going your way or you have enough forces that are, are pushing this, this, this narrative that we need a better coach, that's tough. That's tough to be Greg Berhalter. But Greg is smart enough in the way that he has politically addressed this job to make sure that he's got one once this one's over. So it makes perfect sense for him to appease Major League Soccer, because that's the only place that's going to hire when this is over. So when you are the national team coach, and if you handle it appropriately, then you have made sure that you have employment after, in the event, that for whatever the circumstances are, that you are no longer employed by U.S. soccer, you have figured out a way through these relationships to really win over the next people that are going to hire you, regardless of how this turns out. Win, lose, or draw, he's going to have a job in Major League Soccer. And we could all speculate and prognosticate where that's going to be, but who cares? He's got a job to do right now. But stop yelling at him too, right? Because as much as we'd like to say, well, that is not right. You, your job is to do this. And, and we could pound the table and we could, look, Greg Berhalter also has a job to provide for his family and to make smart decisions and say all the right things. People can believe in. Now, saying that we were dominant over Canada, I wish, I think if, if he could go back in time, he would probably grab those words, stuff them right back down his throat and think of something else to say. But unfortunately, he said it. But there are also reasons why he said it. So let, listen, let's, let's go through some cool stuff. Let's get off of that, right? The United States national team's next opponent will be Mexico. I usually say that's a, a, that's a loss, but I actually believe that the, the state of the Mexican national team is such that we could probably get a tire and even win that game. They're terrible. They're god awful. It was painful to watch last night. They're, they're, they're just not very good. You could say, well, Panama was good. No, 
I'm starting to look at this from a different lens and say, I, I don't think we're that good. You know, beating up on Mexico right now isn't saying much. They're just not good. Or even their subs. Their subs brought a little bit of energy, but I mean, that was, that was some painful stuff. Anyway, so we're going to have Mexico next. We're going to watch Panama destroy Honduras, which is going to happen. And then we're going to have a really important game against Panama. And we win that game we're in. And it won't matter, Costa Rica. We screw it up. We're going to Costa Rica and we're trying to do something that we've never done before. I looked this up yesterday. I asked a couple of my friends. I said, hey, when's the last time you think we beat Costa Rica in Costa Rica? Good luck with that. The answer to that question is never. I participated in two of those. I used to always wonder, why is it so damn hard to win down here? When you look at the history and you go to Wikipedia or whatever, there's one time where it says Costa Rica, United States. But guess what? That game was actually in the Gold Cup. And the way that the structure and the layout of the tournament went, it just, it lists Costa Rica first. But that game was on American soil. It might have been in Arlington. I, I can't remember. We've never beaten Costa Rica. So what we need to do is we need to make sure we take care of business against Panama. Can't tie them. Got to beat them. So we thought this game against Honduras was big. Look, we've scored uh, like over half of our goals against one team. We need to remember that. Is that right? Let me go back. Let me go back and see if I'm right on that one. I got to, you know, every once in a while I say things and then I wonder, what? was that appropriate? No, it's not more than half. We scored 16 goals. Mexico has scored 14. But we've scored seven of our goals against one opponent. So we've only scored, essentially, from doing the math right here, nine goals in the other nine games. Not good. It's not great. It's a goal a game. I don't think anybody's impressed with that. All right, so let, let me get to the... Um, anyway, it's going to get interesting. we got a month to think about it. Um, I hope you now understand why we played in Minnesota. Look up the dates of when those, those, those stadiums opened their doors. And what you'll find is that the United States national team, with, in their collaboration with Major League Soccer, will play in places like Cincinnati. will play in places like Columbus, Minnesota, and Austin because they're new stadiums. They don't have the ability to go to a, a selection committee that's making the bid for the World Cup and basically say, well, we've hosted numerous events and we can handle this. That committee says, no, nah, you know what? Actually, you haven't. So we're going to play this game somewhere that has. But now Minnesota can say, and we'll all forget, we'll all forget that, that it was zero degrees and, and you know those, those poor guys are still trying to get the feeling back in their toes. I'll forget that the circumstances, but what on paper now, the new Columbus Stadium, the new Cincinnati Stadium, and Minnesota can now say we have hosted a World Cup qualifier. And I don't know this for sure, but I, I think when Precourt left to go to Austin, I think that's that relationship that he had with the Federation and the Dos Acero that was always supposed to be in Columbus. I think the paperwork just said it has to be in Ohio. And that's why it ended up in Cincinnati. I don't know that for sure. I could be speaking out of turn. But at this point, who gives? All right, so check it out. Aston Villa, they made some moves. Chambers coming over from Arsenal. That, that was an interesting one, but Coutinho's uh, it, you know, coming over from Barcelona. That was a great move. It really was. And I think, I think that's going to be an, an interesting one to monitor because Aston Villa looks like they're going to be a good team. You know, but Lampard has now showed up at Everton, and they're, they're, you know, there's been more movement over there with was it Donny van der, Beek? van der Beek has come over from Manchester United. Dele Ali, which would be interesting. Interesting. That team just got interesting to me. So Arsenal, when we look at it, we say, all right, what did they do? They got Austin Trusty on loan from the Colorado Rapids. All right, seriously, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I've seen Austin play twice. 
And unfortunately, I paid attention to some of the Arsenal blogs that were going nuts. And you know, of course, it's all these guys on these English accents going, who is this guy? Who is he gonna, what's he going to do? He's not even on the U.S. team. I don't even know who he is. I don't even want a U.S. defender, even a, even a starter. I mean, these guys are going nuts. And then I see Trusty's, um, he, he puts out a, a really nice message to Colorado, thanking them. This big smile and sweet guy. I mean, really, really a nice kid. That, uh, he's going to get off the plane. Arsenal people are upset. They've had a horrible month. They're hoping to figure it out in February. They, don't, they, they, needed, they needed their club to, to, to make a big move. All they did is they lost uh, Obama Young. Obama Young. It's so funny because I'm going to have Derek Ray on the show and he always likes to correct me on this. I don't care if I get Obama Young's wrong, the name right or wrong. It's just a weird name. I'm sorry, got it wrong. Don't care. Anyway, he's, he's gone. Uh, his trouble, they stripped him of his captaincy and now he's off to Barcelona. Then Bele stayed. So that's going to be somewhat of a replacement for Coutinho. But I'm, I'm going to watch Barcelona. That's an interesting one. And I think Xavi can handle him. The other neat one, I think, at Brentford uh, is to see Christian Eriksen come back. He passed all the physicals. There was a stat, I guess, um, the, the other day that nobody uh, has scored more goals from outside the 18 uh, more than Christian Eriksen over the course of, I think it's like five years, which is pretty cool. I think De Bruyne was second. I don't know the exact numbers on that. But as we said, Everton made some moves. Deli Ali is another one to watch. Liverpool, this is an interesting one because Luis Diaz was, I mean, the Porto winger, he was supposed to, if you're, if you're following the, the, the story, was supposed to go to Tottenham and Liverpool just sneak in in the 11th hour. I, I, I can't imagine how that went. I can't, you know, it's just Klopp being Klopp. Ah, you just want to go there. Come here. This is a better club. Not wrong. So uh, Luis Diaz, who a lot of talk about him, 45 million euro plus 15 million in potential add-ons. That's a pretty big deal. And then there was, you know, there was Julian Alvarez, which is, which is, shouldn't surprise anybody, Argentine player. Well, uh, coming from River, at least. Goes to Man City. It's like uh, Aguero 2.0. And then here's where it's weird. So, so Manchester United, Diallo's gone. He goes to Rangers, as did Aaron Ram, uh, Ramsey. From, he's on loan. From Juventus. I don't know how that deal is structured, but they didn't want him anymore in Juventus and he was on 400000 a week. Good Lord. So anyway, he goes to Rangers with uh, Diallo. So he's out the door. Anthony Marshall, we saw the pictures of him smiling for the first time in two years out at uh, Sevilla. And then, and then the decision was made to keep Lingard. So Jesse Lingard's going to stay. Uh, they loaned Van de Beek oh, over to Everton, as we know. And, and so maybe there's a spot in there for Lingard to fight in. Certainly is a spot now with Mason Greenwood. So he's, he, uh, to catch you up, if you haven't heard this, I hate to be the one that, if I'm the first one to tell you this, but he was arrested for suspicion of rape and assault and then further arrested on Tuesday on suspicion of sexual assault and making threats to kill. Yeah, in that uh, little blurb with uh, career might be over. And we saw this with Adam Johnson. I remember that Adam Johnson deal and thinking, wow, he was an underage kid and a girl and inappropriate behavior and wound up in jail. And then Mendy had, had something crazy happen. So I don't know. Don't really want to talk about that, but I'm reporting it. Mason Greenwood uh, in some real hot water. And that's really unfortunate because the kid's career looked like it was going in the right direction. Newcastle, okay, so we know about Chris Wood, uh, Dan Byrne from Brighton. You know, Dan Byrne's a good player. Uh, and uh, uh, Kieran Trippier. Wait, wait, now look, I, is that sexy enough for everybody over there in Newcastle? 
you're still you're still kind of bottom dwellers. I I thought there was going to be, you know, with all that money, a, a bigger move, but I, I guess not. Uh, Tottenham, who gets kind of screwed on this deal with was Diaz. I, I I thought he was going to, but I'm finding out something else. And I, I've talked to a few people about this. Conte does, does he has a really hard time recruiting players because he is somewhat of a joystick coach. It is pattern play, and the rumors out that it's some of these guys have been miserable playing for him. So he doesn't really get first bite at the apple. He's he's uh, taking everybody else's uh, not trash, but he he's he certainly has to dig a little deeper and work a little harder to get guys who don't know about him. And these are usually younger players. So this 21-year-old Swedish winger, I want to get it right, Kulisevsky is, is uh, Dayon. You have to say Dayon Kulisevsky. You don't say Dejan. It's not mustard. And uh, Bentecure is the other one that's coming over. The Uruguayan center, center midfield. He might be interesting. I, I, you know, I don't know enough about him, but that's, that certainly is uh, certainly interesting. But there were several departures out of, out of Tottenham. One of them that we already mentioned Deli Ali and then Brian Gill on their way out. Barcelona makes uh, some moves. They got, well, we already knew about uh, Torres, which was a pretty big move. I don't know where the hell they found the money for that. Aubameyang is going to be coming over on a free transfer and then uh, Traore, which surprised me. I thought he was happy at Wolves, but going back home, you know, it's just, he's a different person. I mean, if you look at him, he looks like he's, you know, somebody's got to do a drug test on that guy. It looks like steroids. It's not. He's just an unbelievable athlete. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, we did see, uh, as far as the American front is concerned, uh, we saw Kevin Paredes is, is from, from D.C. United. Uh, he went out on a $5.2 million move to Wolfsburg from D.C. United. I'm not even going to get into that one. I'm going to let it play out. I, I had opinions about Pepe. I didn't think it was, was going to be a smart move. I'm going to let this one play out. I don't think this is going to be anything that we're going to be talking about for at least eight to ten months. Because that acclimation period is going to take a lot longer. And I, I don't know if that 5.2 is worth it at this point. He's a very talented kid. Uh, we saw him, you know, had some lightning moments uh, for DC this year. But uh, five foot six, 125 pounds soaking wet, might get trampled. But I hope he doesn't. I'm rooting for him. But uh, that's going to be a rude awakening. But that's pretty much, I mean, that's it. That's the, that's the cliff notes, really. I looked at the, the list of the U.S. national team and, and you know, what's it going to look like uh, in the next window. And if I'm being honest, I think, I think uh, Greg Berhalter's got some work to do. Uh, we got we to figure out a way to get Scully into this team. And uh, John Brooks certainly is somebody that, that needs to, they need to have a call. Have a Zoom call. Figure it out, guys. We need you. We need you two to uh, make amends, uh, especially with the injury to Richards. There's, that's, that's a pretty good passer out of the back with a left foot that we might uh, be in need of in the next window. And I think, I'm, I'm not certain, but I do believe John Brooks was a part of that team that did go to Mexico. Uh, the only time we ever managed to beat them at Azteca, and that was a Klinsman team. And I think John Brooks was on it. I could be wrong. Hell, he probably scored. Who knows? But I'm hoping that Greg can figure that part out. It seems that he's having some issues with the German contingency. But either way, either way, it's going to get more interesting. I, believe it or not, that's it for me today. I am done. I am out. I got stuff to do. But I love you. Continue to be good human beings out there. I hope this was a good update. And God bless you. See you later.